Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 50, From Hurt Feelings to Unconditional Love. Lisa Tahir is a therapist, host of All Things Therapy podcast, and the author of The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness, endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. Lisa shares her moment in life when she decided to love more and move past her emotional pains. We talk about astrology and what does it mean to be a loving person and so much more. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, my guest is Lisa. I am so grateful that you're here on the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Corinne. I am really delighted to be on the Infinite Love Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So I always start off the podcast talking about the love lesson. And what is your love lesson? And for those that are listening, a love lesson is a catalyst. It's a moment of transformation. It's a point that you decided you wanted to shift your whole life into a direction that is now a place where you are now of service. So I'd love to hear your story and how you developed your work and how you decided to become a therapist and what led you to that place. Sure. I I deeply resonate with the theme of your podcast, Karen, having to do with infinite love. And my favorite baseball cap I wear, I have on today, it says love wins. (laughs) And for me, this really all came together in a very poignant way when I started writing my book, which at this point, has been about, was about five years ago, five and a half years ago, when I decided I wanted to write a book on healing and self-forgiveness. And I'm a meditator. That's a really important practice in my life. And I remember the day sitting here at my little kitchen table in Los Angeles, California, and saying to the universe, you know, I want the love within me to become greater than the hurt within me. And sometimes we speak these poetic words and then we don't know, you know, exactly how that's going to take shape or form or even that it will manifest into taking some shape and form. And I remember feeling so deeply into that moment of really wanting to understand unconditional love. I have an altar at both my homes in New Orleans and LA. And in New Orleans on my altar, there's a statement, an affirmation by Louise Hay that talks about unconditional love. And I've looked at it for years and I feel like it's only in recent times that I actually have a deep understanding and application of what this looks like and what this is in our lives. And for me, after setting that intention, wanting the love within me to be greater than the hurt within me, there were some subsequent experiences in my friendships where things happened that seemingly looked 
like the opposite of love and looked very and felt very unloving, some important relationships that seemingly came apart. And I remember thinking like, universe, that's not what I said. Like I said, I want more love, not more hurt. And it was through this simultaneous beginning of writing my book on healing through empathy and self-forgiveness that I was really led through this process of what I talk about in my work is being actioned forgiveness and this process of forgiveness and unconditional love really being that we love without the condition present that makes it easy to love, that we love those who seemingly appear to be unlovable, but they're not. They're actually just cut off from their own source of love, which is universal love, which is unconditional love, which is infinite love as you talk about. And in my meditation, I invoke the presence of infinite love, infinite abundance, universal mind to come to work on the on behalf of me and for me and in every area and, and experience that I'll be addressing in a day. And again, going back five and a half years ago, I hadn't quite connected all those dots. Mm-hmm. I just know enough about living that when things start happening, It's very helpful to pause, to cultivate some stillness, the observer perspective of like, huh, this stuff doesn't seem right, but like there's something here. And often the path to everything we want might for a bit look very convoluted, but even to allow the possibility that what might feel uncomfortable, even painful, and look wrong is actually right and bringing you what you want. And that's exactly what happened for me. My love lesson was centered around these notions of of unconditional love and what that really is like. And even we hear turn the other cheek in that biblical sense. And I've learned that that's really about turn the other cheek, look in a different direction than where you are, look from another vantage point. And I just want to pause and check in and see what you think about that, Corinne. Yeah, I was, um, I totally agree with all of what you're saying. And I think for me, like when, when you're talking, I just remember that it is a decision that you make at some point in your life to step into that place of being unconditional. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, it came from a, a place of pain because I always felt unloved and I always felt like I didn't understand what love was and it was so painful that I wanted to seek the opposite and I also wanted to feel the opposite I wanted Mm -hmm. to not and I also didn't want other people to feel unworthy of love yes not feel that they're lovable and I'm just curious on was there a point where you were just like I'm done with feeling afraid I'm done with like I'm done with these negative emotions and I want to step into the light and I always want to be spreading love and love wins. And that's my mantra. You know, again, I think that's actually progressive in our lives. I think like I'm sharing that moment five and a half years ago in my kitchen, I'm looking at the spot where I was Mm -hmm. sitting and it's like saying out loud, you know, I declare that I want the love within me to be greater than the hurt. And I think this isn't a one-time declaration Mm -hmm. throughout our lives as we grow and have more awareness and consciousness. I think we're always asking from this new vantage point where we stand, where we sit. So I think that was, you know, the poignant moment where I recall saying something and then actions happening and things taking form and shape in my life to really bring me to that, to the answer, to the fruition of that desire. Does that 
Yeah, totally. I, I yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's definitely like a an onion where you have to kind of yeah. unravel and unravel and unravel. And I also feel like life kind of tests you, right? Like the minute you're saying, "Okay, I want to be a kind person," then you're stuck in traffic and somebody flips you off, and then you're like, in that moment, are you going to be kind or are you going to be angry? So I always feel like the moment I've made declarations, like I feel like life kind of shows me where. I can grow more and where I could be more loving and where I have work to do within myself to get me to that goal of being unconditional. You know, and I like the way you phrased that because I don't, I'm not one that believes in life testing us, you know, cause that, that's such, again, an old paradigm mm-hmm. of, I think, lack perspective. And like mm-hmm. you were just saying at the end of your sentence that life really wants us to know how deeply loved we are, like how important we are. And when these things happen, that looks like that is contrast. Right. For instance, you're in traffic and there's the opportunity. How will I respond right. to this? And I think life wants us to actually see our growth. Mm-hmm. You know, that in that moment we can pause and and just maybe this traffic is actually preventing me from right. being harmed in some way. And then maybe we actually get angry and frustrated and flip someone off. And again, it's all okay because mm-hmm. there's going to be so many more opportunities to see our growth. I've done a lot of work in recent years in letting go of this paradigm around being tested, being challenged, like the hardship. You know, I don't believe unconditional love is sourced from that place, that it's really sourced from a softness that we have to start cultivating in our own hearts and the way we view ourselves and others and becoming more allowing becoming more allowing with others and ourselves. Like there've been so many calls, even Karen, where I'm, I'm like speaking to someone or a call comes and the person speaking really slowly or, and, and my impulse is to become agitated. Like, what do you want? But there's actually a language barrier. And I've been able to hold on like the universe just saying like, hold on here. There could be more going on here. And it shows me my growth to not jump to judgment so quickly. And then in the times when I do jump into judgment, it's like, okay, like there's even a softening there. Does that make sense? Like life really, again, wanting us to know how loved we are and how easy things can go when we tap in to this unconditional love available. Yeah. And I also think it becomes easier when you allow yourself to go with that flow and not resist it. Like if life is pointing you in a specific direction, being like, okay, I'm going to flow with it as opposed to not. Cause then I feel like that's where the struggle comes in. You're so right. And even things that feel challenging or or difficult, like say someone um, changes in friendships and relationships and really like, I hear you saying like, instead of resisting, like this isn't what I want. Like, what if this is actually getting me to what I want? And just again, softening into that, like sending, I send love, there to people, to places, to events in my meditation every morning, just sending love through my day. And, and are you familiar with the course in miracles? Yes. Okay. So I'm a student in a course in miracles. I have it right here. And, you know, one of my favorite passages is in the very beginning when a course in miracles talks about miracles occurring naturally as expressions of love Mm -hmm. and that the real miracle is the love that underlies things and the real miracle is the love that inspires them in this sense everything that comes from love is a miracle and that miracles occur naturally as expressions of love and the whole course is about changing your mindset for listeners and viewers that might not know from a fear-based paradigm to a love 
based paradigm where there are infinite possibilities that could manifest just as easily as the things that are challenging or hard. And it's, it's like this mind training going through each lesson and really taking some time to consider life differently. And I'm curious how A Course in Miracles has been for you in your life. Well, I am. Um, I, I don't want to say I'm a student, of course, in America, yeah. I've, I've read parts of it and I've heard um, Marianne Williams speak yeah. and Gabby Bernstein. So I've kind yeah. of gotten bits and pieces of it. But from from my understanding of it, it's really just switching your mindset from a negative um, self-deprecating one to one of self-love and positivity. So that's kind of what I've taken from it and how you could you, it, how you can move into a space of love in every moment of every day so almost like that what would christians say like what would jesus do like yeah what, what would love do what would love do yeah. absolutely yeah. and yeah i went to marianne williamson's lectures in person for five years before she ran for president and was doing monday night lectures and it was right. just so so helpful to um to be able to, it really is a mind training to really let go of the first half of A Course in Miracles is letting go of how we perceive the world. Like literally this chair in front of me is meaningless. This thought I have is meaningless. It's like an untraining of the mind and then a retraining based upon adopting a different vantage point and being willing to see things differently. And I wove A Course in Miracles into my book, The Chiron Effect, about healing through empathy and self-forgiveness. So as, as like a real baseline of approaching life, ourselves and others of infinite possibility. Yeah. Wait, isn't Chiron in astrology something? Yeah. Yeah. Chiron. That's what my book is. Yeah. So Chiron is in astronomy identified as both a minor planet and a comet. It has both designations. Okay. It was discovered in 1977 orbiting in between Saturn and Uranus and an odd elliptical orbit. And it was the first of the centaur class, the first heavenly body that was ever discovered to have this odd elliptical orbit. And Charles Cowell, the astronomer, named this heavenly body Chiron after the mythological Greek centaur, Chiron, mm -hmm. who was the founding father of the healing arts. And when we go to the doctor and you see that staff with the two snakes intertwined, the staff of medicine right. that is at almost every doctor's office, that's the staff of Asclepius. And Chiron gave that staff to Asclepius because Chiron was his tutor. So modern day medicine was handed down from Chiron in this Greek mythological tradition. Mm -hmm. And then in astrology, Chiron is the planet. Like, you know, your sun sign might be in Libra or Gemini or Scorpio or Taurus. You might even know your rising, your moon. Chiron is also a placement in your birth chart. And my book writes about that. My book is centered upon these 12 areas of vulnerability slash core wounding that Chiron identifies. So if your Chiron is an Aries, that speaks to a core wounding or a vulnerability and your sense of value and worth, where you source your patterns that for you, the issue to heal is centered around people pleasing and being really successful, but not feeling good enough. So really learning to love and approve of yourself as an example, in contrast to Chiron in the sign of cancer, which speaks to core wounding by abandonment that you might have literally experienced an abandonment by a caretaker, or they might have had an addiction that prevented them from really tending to your needs. And so in my book, there's an interactive chart and website 
that you can enter your birth information and get your Chiron placement and then read about healing that placement through taking personal responsibility, psychology, and spirituality. That's fascinating because I've heard of Chiron and I can't remember where it is in my chart. Yeah. Um, but I remember somebody talking about it and I was like, oh, okay, but you know, there's so many nuances of um, astrology Yeah. that, you know, unless you're really studying it, there's so much, there's so much details. You know, and my book makes it user-friendly because okay. I'm a psychotherapist, not an astrologer. Mm -hmm. Yet this placement of Chiron is very psychological. It, it really hones in on the main area of vulnerability that our patterns are sourced from in a way that causes us to have limiting thoughts or beliefs. And you can only go as far or as high as your largest limiting belief. Mm -hmm. And if you take a moment to just think about that, like, it's like, that's what the glass ceiling is. It's your right. biggest limiting belief. And for a lot of us, we're living well, and it might not be this big deal. But when you think about, you know, how your, your greatest happiness, your deepest joy, like a life of love and satisfaction and fulfillment, even that, you know, to really have fulfillment and meaning and purpose, imagine if we truly could transform the limiting thoughts we have, you know, and beliefs so that we're just more of who we came here to be. Mm -hmm. And my book presents that in like a super user-friendly way. And how did you discover that with, with you? Was it part of your own astrology journey that you discovered the Chiron effect for yourself? It was, it was literally that day when I sat here and mm -hmm. said, I want the love within me to be greater than the hurt. And when I sat down to meditate, like you know, within that time frame of a week or a month. And I started to ask myself as a therapist, like for my clients and for myself, having been in therapy a lot of my life to heal and, and gain skills that I didn't have. It, it was like, how do I take people beyond the story of their woundedness, their story of what's hurt them? And even for myself, like we're so familiar with where we've come from in the ways that have been hurtful. What about who we want to become. What about these dreams we have? And we don't think we know how to get there. Like universe, help me with this. And I literally heard Karen Chiron. And at first I wasn't very impressed. I'm like, universe, is this all you've got? Like, okay, Carl Jung, wounded healer archetype. I remember in grad school, but you know, when something keeps prodding you, like a right. thought is just like poking you. And that's how the universe was with me. Like Lisa Chiron. And finally I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to Google this effing Chiron, literally almost like exasperated. And I started to learn about the, about the Greek mythology reference. And then the, the astrology piece, like got my attention about how patterns, because, you know, we're all in psychology, even Sigmund Freud in 1914 coined the repetition compulsion, which speaks to our repeated patterns in relationships or sourced our source from what we learn from our caretakers. And then object relationists talked about this also, that the, the schemas and patterns of relationships based upon how we experience love or didn't and our family of origin kind of dictates and set this pattern. And I knew as a psychotherapist, there's something here of value found from this astrological placement. And I just kept like you know, I researched and wrote for four and a half years. This book was not overnight. It was very intentional and sourcing from many different references. His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama endorsed my book among New York Times bestsellers because they really saw 
this tool and this paradigm as a unique way of helping us to heal ourselves and then be able to extend this forgiveness and empathy and love to others and how that's what magnifies and makes our planet a better place to live on. Right. Because you're doing that internal work to heal yourself and then offering that same compassion to others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm just like blown away. Do you do other astrology too? Do you read people's charts or just that? No, I don't. And actually in the back of my book, I have a resource section where I cite astrologers that I've really appreciated working with Mm -hmm. as well as fitness people. It's like a resource section for total health, emotional, spiritual, psychological health. So it's a resource section with websites of practitioners that I know and trust to give readers some options if they, you know, want to, um, you know, kind of nurture an area of themselves that might have lacked that I offer some of those professionals, including astrologers to work with. Got it. And so do you work with clients doing the Chiron effect or as a I do. So you do both. I do both. We integrate both for those clients that want to, because I found it so helpful, you know, in our relationships and even Mm -hmm. say if in a relationship to look at the date that you met or the date you got married and to find the Chiron placement and it'll reveal an area of vulnerability, even in your business. Say if you have an LLC to Mm -hmm. plug in the date you created your LLC into my interactive website and it will generate a Chiron placement. And in my business, that area of vulnerability had to do with contracts. And the moment that I opened that and looked at where Chiron was in my business, I was negotiating, trying to get out of a legal contract. I signed without full knowledge of what I signed. And it was like, oh my gosh, like this is an area for me to really strengthen my business in, really reading contracts. So, and there's a section in my book too about the psychoastrology. Psychoastrology is a term that I trademarked to speak where our personal astrology meets our personal psychology, quite simply. And even cities, countries have a Chiron placement. The Declaration of Independence, when it was signed in 1776, speaks to Chiron in Aries, where our country in the fourth house has a core wounding and how we take care of our own people. And I write about how that seems weird, the most powerful nation in the world. But when you look to, for instance, education and in urban and rural areas, children don't have books. They don't have adequate plumbing. You know, the our veterans that have such a high suicide rate, we're not taking care of the people that served our country and in healthcare, You know, we look at how the U.S. is great to rush to aid for other countries, but we could do better in looking after our own. So that's just some of the ways you can use Chiron in wow. addition to your personal placement. So I didn't realize, cause I, for some reason I thought Chiron was like a house that doesn't move, but what you're saying is that it, it, it shifts every time you're looking at a specific date, it could be somewhere else in the sky. Is well, meaning no, like Chi- the Chiron placement say like, uh, the declaration, no, it's fixed. Like Chiron is okay. in a sign and a house on that day. On that, that particular day. Yes, I got it. absolutely. Just like your sun sign or your Venus or your moon. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So that means in any particular situation, like today, we could look at the date and be like Chiron's in this house. Well, actually, yeah. Chiron's in Aries. Chiron spends about eight years in, in each sign. sign. So it's got slow it. moving. It's not. Yeah, it's a slow, slow moving comet slash minor planet. So it stays in one sign for eight years. Got so it. there so can be of- a lot that happens in Got that eight it. years. So it's like Pluto is in, was in Capricorn for years. I think my Pluto's in Capricorn. Okay. 
So okay. They, I think they say that, I don't know how many years it is, but it's a long time. So it's, a yeah. whole, it's pretty much a whole generation have that same planet. Yes. So it's similar to that. Eight years. Absolutely. Okay. Chiron, like people in the same, say, eight year time span of being born will share the same Chiron astrological sign, but your house placement might be different. Like it might, your Chiron okay. might manifest in your first house of self-esteem and body image versus the second house of personal finances and morals. So the house placement can be different. Got it. Now I'm like curious. I'm like, what's mine? I can't remember. Yeah. That. I really can't. I know. Yeah. But I feel like somebody mentioned it and they were and they were like, I feel like their response was like, that's intense. So that's all I like remember about Wow. It. <laughs> just like, okay. I don't know. It can just be helpful and fun because you know, when we know an area that we're vulnerable in, we'll attack ourselves less. My book talks about moving from criticism and judgments of ourselves mm -hmm. to understanding. Like we mm -hmm. all make sense in context of what we've lived, you know, the skills that we have. So instead of being so judgmental, it's about like being more compassionate and suspending mm -hmm. those judgments. Again, like A Course in Miracles says, being willing to see things differently mm -hmm. and learn the skills you don't have. My book is a lot about taking personal responsibility. If you don't know how to communicate in a healthy way, you know, there's so many therapists and, and healers and websites and books that you can read to, to nourish those skills, to enhance those mm -hmm. skills. So from what I'm understanding, wherever, like the contract situation that you, the example that you had with your business, it gives you that awareness that now in your business, you should ex pay extra attention to when you're doing contracts. Yeah. And slow down. For okay. me, it was just about slowing down to mm -hmm. read it and ask questions if I don't understand and don't be afraid to sound foolish. Even if my questions are very basic that you really I really need to understand what I'm signing. So it helped give me permission. It's a lot about giving ourselves permission too, Corinne, like mm -hmm. to like ask questions and take time. Like maybe the turnaround time isn't 24 hours. It's like 72 hours because I need to be with this information. So for some of us, we need to give ourselves permission even to have more fun, to be more lighthearted about life. And for yeah. others, maybe you need to take more responsibility and be a bit more restrictive. It's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because I feel like it gives you a, a totally new perspective and also it gives you some idea of like where your pitfalls are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then how you can support that, you know, how you can support yourself there, because that's all I think that's really key to having happiness and love in your life is like supporting where you are deficient or feel deficient, like bringing everything we need there so that we're more whole, we feel, I believe we are whole and complete, but it's like having that awareness of our wholeness and completeness that sometimes we might need to develop some skills to fully embrace that. What do you yeah. think? Well, I agree. I feel like um, it's all about understanding our, having awareness of who we are and knowing thyself. And yeah. Yes. Our shadow and our light. Absolutely. And how can we heal our shadow aspects? Yeah, and bring them to the light, but we won't be able to heal them unless we see them and acknowledge them. What you're saying is so important. And Chiron speaks to that as well. The shadow 
aspects for each for Chiron and Aries, Chiron and Taurus, Chiron and Gemini, there's like a shadow side. And that's what we experience is like pain points in our lives. For example, Chiron and Gemini has to do with this core wounding, wounding and vulnerability and being empathetically attuned to, meaning we have the experience of being misunderstood. And people like, you know, not understanding what we're trying to say. And that causes us to feel kind of alienated. And the shadow of that is like, we might start to talk louder and with more like, you know, with more demonstrativeness and, and people think we're a know-it-all. When instead, we're just trying to be understood because we felt misperceived. So it can be so helpful to know that about yourself, to start sourcing your communication in ways that you will be heard and received. And it might be, instead of trying to get this one person to hear you, this just might not be someone for you right now. And kind of finding your tribe and your community mm -hmm. and people that do vibe and resonate with you. So it can help you make choices and, and kind of like change your course so that you do feel better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So let's get into the infinite love questions. Awesome. So how do you use love in your work? You know, that's such a good question. And I, what comes to mind is I think when love has been the most important in my work is when I've worked with people that are hard for me to relate to or connect with, or even when I feel like what they're doing is wrong in air quotes, you know, when I feel like the way they're living, um, especially if it's hurting someone else, like it really rubs against my own moral values. And I feel like that's when love has really kind of been present. You know, how can I connect with this person so different from me? I do want to help them. And yet I'm feeling personally like, oh, like this is hard. Like I'm not really liking this person. And I think we all have this experience from time to time, be it family members that we might, you know, love because they're a family, but, but dislike. And for me, it's really helped Corinne to connect with their inner child, like really trace down, you know, this issue that I'm having a problem with that they're um, being abusive to a spouse, for instance, just to take something that can be hard for, for most everyone to understand and, you know, go back to how they were abused, how they were victimized. You know, they didn't receive the love that they needed and it created within them this personality and person to hurt and thinking that love is pain. And so in that way, you know, I, I don't approve of the violence or of what they're doing, but I can connect with that part of them to help kind of maximize, you know, the, their growth to seeing themselves in that way, even to change. And so I guess that's what came up first. Like when it's been yeah. hard for me to, to love in my work, just really having to reach for something in them that is lovable, you know, which usually for me is like that really that child that was so vulnerable and scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also feel like it's healing for the healer too, right. To be able to see aspects of um others that they can that resonates with with them like what i'm trying to say is like when i feel judgment or i feel so, so i'm in my feelings about something yeah from, from a client i always feel like oh this is something that i need to heal within myself oh i like where you're going with that yeah can you say a little more about that so like if i'm so for instance like if i have a client that's very very antsy very very anxious and her anxiety is causing me to feel shut down and getting upset about it like i'm like and, and i start to be like get into that judgmental space yeah and i'm like okay wait 
the her anxiety is tapping into my wound of some kind of pain that I'm having. So I hear how, you. How can I step into love and help her heal to also help me heal? And so, yeah, you're talking about the countertransference, yeah. so to speak. Like, yes, yes, I love that. I think that's such an important aspect. Yeah, and it's um, and it could be triggering because I think in the beginning when I started working with people, I think I would be turned off by certain behaviors. I'm like, okay, I don't want to deal with that. But really, because right. I didn't want to deal with it within, I didn't want to deal with it within myself. I hear you. And that's so astute to notice. And I think to be gentle in those situations, because we need to attend to those parts of ourselves that need healing and not kind of re-traumatize ourselves or feel like we're in so over our heads to really give ourselves that love and care and then be able to work more easily with those individuals. Yeah, I love how you're saying that because it's such a personal profession. You know, we're working with others and we're also humans. Mm hmm working with ourselves. Right. And I feel like as um, healers, we're also on, I mean, all of us are in this journey because we have our own internal journey that we've gone through ourselves sure. and that we're helping pull, pulling others, but we're all works in progress. Absolutely. And, you know, so for me, I don't necessarily feel like I'm any better or any further along. I'm just helping people that I could help that I can resonate with. And I feel like I learned so much from others and they learn from me, but ultimately yeah. it's like, we're all kind of moving forward in that direction. We are absolutely well said. Yeah. Self um, realization of self, however you want to describe it, enlightenment or self-awareness. Yes. All of it. Yeah, for sure. So my second question is, um, how is your work used to serve humanity? Oh gosh. You know, I, I, Love that question. In the beginning of my book, I dedicate my book even to the to people that have come to me kind of disguised in these roles of being my client, being, uh, you know, my family, friends, a love, just how we're all playing these roles, walking each other home, as Ram Das says, we're all just walking each other home. And for me, my work, like, I feel like it, they're so one in the same. There was a time when I was younger, and I felt like my personal life and professional life were more separate. And I talk in my book about recovering from drug addiction and how that was a time when they were kind of divided and I wasn't like a coherent self, so to speak. And it wasn't until I really looked at healing my addiction and how that was like a maladaptive way that I was approaching things in my life that were painful. I was looking for pain alleviation and, um, you know, and then still healing and functioning, you know, but I felt like myself was kind of fragmented, like separated into two, two selves. And like, I did the work, I took the years of really healing and understanding what I needed to do to love myself more Mm -hmm. deeply. And then, so I feel like my work is always, I like, I'm, I'm a drop of water of humanity. And, you know, like, so I just feel like we're all so interconnected, like we're all one. And just my work feel like I feel it when I sit with clients and like really taking the time to listen and, and be thoughtful and send love. And I don't know if this is answering in a very streamlined way, but <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, I feel like my work, it, it, it is humanity, because I'm here to help people grow and change and heal. And it, it's so meaningful to me. Yeah. So what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? For me, that means staying authentic, Corinne, even when it's hard, like even when um, just being my authentic self and 
being able to stand strong and be stable and, and just be who I am. And at the same time, having love and acceptance for others, like agreeing to disagree. I feel like I'm really good at agreeing to disagree. Like we don't have to vote the same or choose the same for our health. Like I'm still going to love you. And, and I do believe in that. Like it's to, to have acceptance for our differences that we don't all have to be the same. That would be so very boring at the most basic level. But in, when we're looking at humanity, like our uniqueness, we're so unique and so individualized. And like, how can you not just love that and want to, you know, where you don't understand, maybe you need to be more curious and maybe you won't ever say, okay, well, that's for me. I'm going to do that too. But you can at least have some respect, you know, in a position of like, I respect you for being who you are and I respect myself for being who I am. So some more, I think, uh, understanding and empathy is needed. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And what do you love most about your life? Wow. That's such a good question. You know, I love what I love most is that life has brought me to an awareness of laws of the universe, like infinite love, universal mind. And I just, I have such appreciation that like Somehow, I remember being even five years old, Corinne, and my parents found a note that I scribbled saying I want to be a psychiatrist. And that led me, I started therapy at 21. And because of my therapist, who was so loving, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to help people like me that need some help in processing their emotions and coming to terms with things they've been through and, you know, being this kind of like voice of healing. And, and with that, I learned quickly came my own healing journey that we have to keep on our own journey to be effective, to be, um, to be authentic, to be powerful. And so I just feel such appreciation. I'm happiest about my life that I get to do this for a living and like, come on your show. I have my own podcast, all things therapy. I believe we change consciousness one conversation at a time. And that's what my podcast offers. And this one, this time with you. And I just, that brings me the most joy and happiness. And to share this love and ability to like take things down a notch, Mm -hmm. you know, like really enjoy. You can always laugh. You can always find some softness if you look for it. Yeah, I love that. Because I think life can be, even that's one of the things that, you know, I keep saying to myself, like to soften like just soften and I do too. I say go easy, Lisa. Yeah. Like go easy here. Mm-hmm. Be in that receptive space. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel you receive love? You know, I feel like I receive love everywhere, and it's been so unique. Even just in the last week, you know, some really cool things have happened, and I'm like, just because I try, like I, I've really tried to you know, smile at people, even with a mask on, like I noticed your eyes can smile, Yeah. you know, and just smile at people and maybe slow down a little bit, allow a little more time to run my errands. So I'm not in that rush where I can become bitchy too, like anyone else. And just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this and get out my way. And you know, that never feels so good. And in the grocery last week, I was getting a balloon for a friend's son and there was no price on it. And I go to the checkout line and I, you know, the balloon, someone 
they go to check it out and they're like, oh, it's $15. And I'm like, $15 for a balloon? And I was like, that's ridiculous. And the guy was like, don't worry about it. And he charged me $5 for the balloon. Oh, and wow. then, yeah. And then like someone out, like just strangers being like, oh, let me help you with that. Whatever it is. And like just so unique ways that people, and I find that I'm looking for ways to just be kind to a stranger and the people in my life. Like I really want to be the source of love for people just texting a friend. Like I'm thinking of you texting a group of my high school friends. Like I've been thinking of y'all. I know times are stressful. You know, I just, I just want to want you to know how much I love you. And I think the more we look to be that in the world, the more it comes to us. So I feel like love comes to me from everywhere, literally and everyone. I agree. Like when you're in a state of love, it's a lot easier to, give love because you feel like you're actually a loving being yes and to give it to yourself like i'll buy myself flowers for my house to to look for those opportunities take yourself on a walk maybe treat yourself to some sushi you know to find ways to really be with yourself in loving ways take a bath with rose petals a bubble bath like i do things like that to just be gentle and kind to myself yeah the self-care is so important for sure it is so the next question is, when do you feel the most love? You know, I feel, I feel the most love definitely when I'm with people that I love and adore who love and yeah. adore me. That's, that's easy. I feel love right now talking to you and our audience. I feel love when I meditate and I'm really connected when my thoughts have kind of quieted and I can just feel silence and this stable presence, like everything's going to be okay. So for me, meditation is a source of connecting to infinite love and unconditional love and just getting that hug from the universe. Like, oh, we've got you. We've got this and everyone that you care about. How about for you? When do you feel? Um, When do I feel the most love? I feel the most love when I'm also connecting with people. I feel um, connecting with nature, connecting with the divine. I feel the most love when I am in that space of connectivity and I don't feel so separate. Yes. When I feel one with others and also when I can see, when I could see the divinity in other people. Yeah. And in myself and kind of seeing that is that we're all this, there is this infinite connection between others and myself, right? Like, so that we're all the same. Like, so being able to tap into my own compassion and seeing the compassion in others and then having that be reflected back at me. So they're having that continual feedback. And when that feedback is positive and loving, then I feel the most loved. So well said. And, you know, do you do you are you familiar with Abraham Hicks? Yeah, I listen to Abraham Hicks daily and they've really helped me with this. You know, it's not about we think that it's only right to love people who love us. And when somebody does something that like, you know, they do something rude or unkind, it's like, oh, they don't deserve our love anymore. And then we feel bad. And that feeling of bad, that depression, that sadness is really because we cut off loving them. Like we, yeah, we, so I've, I've learned as well. You just love anyway. Like, and it might not be, you might, you know, you might not be texting them or sending them things like you once did, but you're sending them love energetically. And they feel that like it gets through, we're all energetic beings. So you just keep sending that love. And I notice that I feel so happy then too, just sending people love. And I really believe I know it's going to make a difference. I have a quote on my fridge that says love opens all doors. Mm -hmm. And I invoke that when situations happen that are seemingly 
you know, not loving or not kind. It's like, no, love will open this door. And I continue to send love there. And I'm steadfast in that because we set the tone of how the universe responds to us. It's not haphazard. We can be haphazard if our thoughts are all over the place, but to have like a singular focus on really being consistent in our love and our position there and our lives start to change and reflect that. I agree. That's a very important point really is because I think that it's a place that people forget like when they're in pain the the yeah. most of us want to be like turtles right and go in our shell yeah and not push past it but that's where I feel like that's where love really lives and that's in those spaces where you can push yourself out of that comfort zone I know for me it's always a challenge to be like when somebody hurts me or I feel something I want to contract Right. As opposed to like opening into leaning into that love and actually allowing the love to be the healing that could take the relationship or the situation to that next level. Yes. Corinne. And I think even in that retracting in that, you know, kind of coming back to ourselves. So I think we do need to take the adequate time to look at things, look at yourself. What did, what did I want here? What is my desire? So in that, don't cut yourself off from the love or feeling like you're wrong or really screwed this up, you know, that to really allow love to kind of work its way through the situation and take that time. You know, you might need to just go on walks and read and, you know, kind of take that hermit time to yourself. That's okay to do. Just do it without judging yourself or feeling ashamed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And my last question is, where has love created a miracle in your life? Gosh, I love that question. Um, and, you know, what, what comes to mind, love has created a miracle every day in my life where I, I wake up. It's like I have the opportunity. You have the opportunity. We have the opportunity. Am I going to love or fear today in every situation that arises? So I feel like daily there is the opportunity for the miracle of love to manifest in my life by just even when I'm scared, it, you know, it's not that we're never going to feel fear. You know, that's not humanly yeah. possible. But when I feel fear, I'm like, OK, like I put my hand on my heart. I was like, I, I feel this fear. Universe, help me. And you just might breathe that day. You just might, you know, take it easy that day. But the miracle of love for me is found daily in my choice to love instead of instead of fear or hate and just reserve my words. Like I've learned to be more quiet. I've learned to say less than I used to feeling like I need to speak my voice every time for everything. No, I don't. You might not either. You know, it might be just reserving being an observer. Sometime just letting love work out situations for us instead of jumping in there to convince people otherwise or change their minds, just to cultivate that stillness, mm -hmm. I think is is one of the miracles love has taught me. I love that. It's Thank so you. True. Yeah. How about for you? I think my biggest miracle I would say is understanding what unconditional love is. Cause I never had that as an example Yeah. in my life. And then when I found people that provided that unconditional love and, and I actually was able to feel that, then I was able to understand it. And, I hear what, you. and what it would mean and how I could be, how I could live and operate from that space. 
Yeah. And that love is not conditional because I felt that love was always conditional. Like you do this for me, I do that for you. It was always like in a, a, a transaction. Cal- yeah, like a calculated transaction. Like I'll give you this if you give me this. And that was my whole world. And that's what I thought love was until, but I knew in my heart that that wasn't it. I was like, like this can't be it. It has yes. to be a different way. And once I was able to experience it, it totally became a miracle because I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to live this life of transactional love that doesn't of limited love limited love that doesn't feel good no it doesn't no Um, like the breadcrumbs it doesn't feel good no no and it doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good giving that type of love and it's right doesn't feel good receiving it absolutely so that was like when i was able to understand that that became a huge i mean liberating liberating but also it's like okay this is a possibility for everyone and that's what inspired the podcast right infinite love like understanding that love doesn't have to be a finite thing it's an energy that's abundant and overflowing and never stops it is and it's available right and i've learned as well that when i do feel depressed when i do feel sad i realize my thought i'm having has like cut me off from love so i've been cultivating like okay wait what was i just thinking like that doesn't have to be true like when we feel this deep sadness you know, and loss and profound, like, oh my God, we're all alone. You know, I've, I, I've come to know that really is an illusion and it can take some kind of digging yourself out for a moment or more, you know, Mm -hmm. to get to that better feeling emotion of even neutrality. And I think that's kind of the real, you know, work in our lives to mentally, emotionally look for that thought that feels a bit better, that connects us again to this presence of unconditional love and, and like going back to it. Mm-hmm. I love that. So how can people find you, get in t- contact with you, buy your book? Awesome. Yeah, it's easy. My website is nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles Therapy, as well as on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I am at Nola Therapy. I would love to engage with your listeners. And my book is available Everywhere books are sold, like Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble online and in their physical stores, walmart.com. And if you have a favorite local bookstore that you enjoy shopping at, you can just give them my name or the title and they can order it for you to their store. So you support local. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your presence, your knowledge, your wisdom, and all of your words have been so appreciated. Thank you, Corinne. The feeling is mutual. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.